What's up guys, we're the Boomers, and this is a show where we focus on founders and failures. We deep dive into the failures and lessons these founders have learned in business and in life so that you can turn decades into days. This is Effing Friday. Welcome back, guys. We are excited for what we have today. Courtney's going to give us a quick introduction here in a minute, but today is Effing Friday, where we talk to founders about failures that they've had in business and in life and how they've grown and learned from those and really taken those failures and made them grow into something that was kind of prosperous long term. Um, I know that today the guest that we have really hits home for us, um, having three little ones, and uh, I'm excited to share that with you, Courtney. Tell everyone who we have today and what she does. Yes. So today we are talking with Danielle Bettman, and she is a positive discipline certified parenting mentor for families with strong-willed kids ages one to seven and host of the Failing Motherhood podcast. She guides parents to cultivate cooperation, extend their patience, and get on the same page through a one-to-one relationship called Sanity and Solutions or her VIP coaching program called Wholeheartedly Calm. So Danielle, tell us, like, one, what is, where did you get started? Like, how did this become? And also make sure you touch on the, what exactly it means to be positive discipline certified. Yeah, sure. Okay. So, you know, back, that's all starts when you're 18 and like supposed to know what you want to do with your life. Right. (laughs) And all I knew is that I liked working with kids. So I went into education. I got my teaching certification from um, a unique program that combines early childhood education and elementary and special at all in one. So it's like birth through age eight all combined. So I did that so I could have a lot of opportunities for figuring out what I wanted to do with that on the back end of college. And I'm grateful I did because I did lots of um, student teaching in the elementary ages and realized like, it's not for me. I love like less than seven years old is is my (laughs) wheelhouse. So I started teaching Head Start uh, with three to five year olds. And then I moved into teaching um, early Head Start with uh, babies through toddlers. And then I was doing a home visiting program uh, through Save the Children that was called Early Steps to School Success, where you're in families' homes for an hour every week, connecting them with uh, developmental screenings and resources and books to read with their kids and all sorts of stuff. And that's where I realized that what happens in a classroom is great. But what happens at home is what really wires kids and it's all the parent child relationship and it's their siblings and the culture of their home and all of that is so much more influential, not only for one child for one year, but for like all the siblings for their whole childhood when I could empower that parent, it just trickles down and so then I had my own kids. And I was like, oh my gosh, how did you listen to a word I had to say? (laughs) Because textbooks are one thing, but parenting, you know, two under 15 months is what I ended up doing. It's a whole nother ball game and you're not prepared at all. So I had mine back to back. I ended up um, working at like an in-home daycare for a while part-time so I could take my kids with me. Mm -hmm. And, And that's when I realized like my second daughter is a different breed. She's a different breed. She uh, it has such big emotions, like high highs and low lows. And there is just no changing her mind. Nothing registers. Hurry up means nothing. Like 
it she my first is like pretty happy-go-lucky like wants to make you happy you know pretty compliant you know wants to follow the rules absolutely not for my second and then <laughs> I started to realize as I talked to my friends like almost every family has one of these kiddos and they are super tough and so then I really tried to figure out what worked for her based on like everything I knew about child development and brain science and all that but also then like with this discipline component and this was before I even found Instagram influencers or like knew that there was more parenting content out there other than you know books and what I had um, so eventually I realized that what, what I was doing was working really well for her and I, my husband and I had to get on the same page about like what that looked like because we both were raised differently and we were parenting differently than we were parented. And all of that came to a head where I was working part time at our at a local church and ended up that that um, position like was no longer available. And so I just decided to go out on my own and I'm like, I'm just going to start my own business. It'll be great. <laughs> And then, you know, that I was so naive. I have no business background, no business doing business. But here I was um, offering these in-home consultations locally to families with kids age one to seven. And I was just like, let's just talk about it. Let's figure it out. Let's figure out what's going on and what we can do about it and what we might, what might be missing. And I did that for about a year. And then the pandemic hit. Mm -hmm. And then at that point, I switched to virtual sessions and I started the podcast and shortly, I think it was a little bit after that is when I finally did get certified through positive discipline, which is a specific methodology where there's just a lot of like these six principles that are the philosophies behind why you're doing what you're doing. Mm -hmm. And um, they're they're Alderian principles and they're just more about like what you believe to be true about humans and you know what these deeper needs are that kids are experiencing at these ages and how that informs kind of your clear communication with them and being able to um, handle things in kind of a collaborative problem solving approach that really resonated with what I was already doing. It could just kind of like put more of a label to it. So it had more, um, more understanding of the way I could communicate it to parents. And so um, ever since then, I have been doing kind of a four month coaching relationship with families one-on-one. -on -one, and then I really dialed that into like the most need to know information for uh, my group program. And kind of that's where I'm at today. That is awesome. So I think it's really cool. Like when you talk about how you kind of experienced that need, like with your second daughter, we so relate. So our first is she's so independent and so strong-willed. And like you said, she feels like really big emotions. Like I feel that because mm -hmm. I I struggle with her all the time. So when you first realized that, you know, she was so different and it was going to be hard. Um, yes. Our kids, we have three kids, three and under. So I totally get the close in age thing. Uh, <laughs> you have a lot to juggle. So yes. what was like your first step and like, okay, how can we assess? Like if you were talking to someone, they're like, I don't know where to start. Like, where would you tell a parent to just start? when they're realizing, you know, you have to parent differently for different kids and different emotions and things. Yeah, I feel like they make it abundantly clear that what you're doing isn't working. Yeah. <laughs> whatever it is that you're doing, um, whether that was the way that you were parented, whether it was like a book you read, whether it was what worked with your first kid, um, you quickly realize, oh, this is not the reaction I was expecting or the outcome I was hoping for. And uh, hopefully, 
you don't repeat that like definition of insanity where you just keep doing that, hoping for different results for like several years. <laughs> you know, yeah. that's, that's kind of the inevitable thing is we're like, well, I don't know what else to do. So surely it will start sinking in or maybe it's just the terrible twos or the terrible threes or the terrible fours. And then you're like, oh, they're almost in kindergarten and still having like multiple meltdowns a day. Like, yeah what is happening here? And that's usually when families end up coming to me because they're, they have a four-year-old where they can have capable conversations where you know that they know better and you know that they should be figuring out more coping strategies for their emotions or, you know, not taking things out on people as drastically or, you know, like there is some things we need to figure out so that we can thrive in other settings. And, and usually if they're going to preschool, they're doing pretty well at preschool, but they just bring it all home and save it mm -hmm. for you. And there's no filter. And uh, so usually it's more of like, okay, I know that what I'm doing isn't working, but I have no idea what to do instead, because this is what worked for my first, or this is all I know. Like we're, we're not handed a full toolkit of like all of these myriad of things we can try. It's very much like I tried the one thing, timeout doesn't work. I'm, I'm out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think something that was interesting is you're talking about you and your husband and how, you know, you know, for some people, if you're raised differently, you have different strategies and something that we always say is, you know, we think a lot of things are caught more than taught where the kids see what we're doing mm -hmm. see how we're doing things so if that's how we were experienced things from our parents we tend to maybe fall into those same things with our kids mm -hmm. and um so what are some ways that you and your husband or you even help some of your clients work through like well they want to do it this way and they want to do it this way and how do you mend those together and find something that really works for both of you yeah yeah I ended up coming up with a process of kind of like treating your family like a business. So it's called writing your family business plan. And essentially it takes you through the same type of prompts that you would if you were writing this out for your business, which starts with what are your end goals? Where do you mm -hmm. wanna be in five years, 10 years? And you know, for parenting, it's like, what will have mattered 18 years from now? Who do we want our kids to be? What do we want to be true of their life? What skills do we want them to have? And usually, if you're together and you have kids together, those are very aligned. You want the same things for your kids. And once you kind of put that on paper, then you can take a lot more of an informed, intentional approach of like the trajectory to get there. But so often day to day, we're just throwing spaghetti at a wall, making it up as we go, and then just like hoping that some sort of good human being comes out at the end. And that's like kind of not how that works. <laughs> and so if we can hit pause and zoom out for a second and kind of like put that on paper, then it's like, okay, what do we know from like research or evidence-based practices helps create this type of value system in a child or teaches them this type of skill set or helps them figure out how to, you know, learn this. And then we write core values together where you identify kind of like, this is our family's code of ethics. These are the things that are important for us to instill then you define your culture of your home. How do we spend our time and money? What's gonna be true of the family in our four walls so that you can kind of say in our family, we blank. And that creates a really um, strong sense of togetherness and belonging that really ties the two of you together so that you're continuing to dial that into the day-to-day. -day. And once you have these kind of big things that kind of you sum that up with like a mission statement, then you realize, okay, so we want the same things, we're doing the same things day to day, and now we just need a little bit more shared language 
of what do we do when they won't get in their car seat mm-hmm. <laughs> and how how does that connect with like this bigger picture and sometimes it takes taking talking that out with a third party because you're just so close to the problem yeah. and you know not able to put the brain energy into it because you have three kids under three so like of course you're sleep deprived you're yeah. haven't even eaten breakfast like of course you're not going to be at your best to like tackle these problems in a way that actually solves them long term. It's always kind of like short sighted fixes or, you know, band aids or, you know, you're playing whack a mole where you like fig- figure this out and then a new problem pops up over here. And that's where I feel like like the support for parenting really comes in because most families don't have a village. They're not parenting in like an intergenerational home where you can mm-hmm. kind of have that insight. And so just being able to kind of talk out a problem then gets you to a place where you're realizing, oh, well, you know what the common thread is this, or like, this is kind of the pattern we're starting to see with this child, or, oh, you know what? It's probably coming from, this is attention seeking, or this is like a power and control issue. And, you know, they really, really wanna be the boss and this is working for them to feel that way. So like, how can we get ahead of that? Solve that deeper root before then just kind of solving the problem in the moment and then it continues to happen the same type of vicious cycle over and over. And so that sometimes it takes one partner being able to kind of share that insight to the other, but sometimes we can't really learn from each other because it just feels too biased mm-hmm. <laughs> or it feels like you're nagging or like, you know, criticizing the other parent, like, oh, you're doing it wrong. Here's, I read this article, read it and fix yourself. Like that doesn't always feel like the best way to learn either because it's not collaborative and you still have questions. And like, if both parent partners don't have their questions answered, then they're continuing to feel like there's something missing. And I'm not hundred percent confident that this is the best way to resolve this meltdown. Cause I feel like it's, it's inadvertently rewarding this behavior and I can't let that happen. And so like, what do I do with your suggestion? If I still feel like there's a problem with it. And then you just stay stuck in kind of this, like, well, we're trying something, but it's not consistent or it's not working or I'm like, I feel like you're undermining what I'm trying to do. And, and usually there's a balance of like one partner is a little more strict, one partner is a little more permissive. And then you start to resent the other person for that. But ultimately that's like a really positive thing because the the opposites attract mentality is like for a reason, it's really good for our kids Mm -hmm. to get that yin and yang. But you just want to know that you have that united front rather than it like wedging the divide between you that's really good i like the uh the business plan reference that's uh, a lot more visual for me and that helps a lot so i think that'll probably hit home for a lot of people mm-hmm. yeah yeah that's a really good point and i like that you said like you're bringing like the family's values into it because i know um our daughter will question things a lot of like well so-and-so did this and I'm like well mm-hmm. you know her family may do that but our family doesn't and I didn't even realize I did that till you're saying like you know these are the things that our family does because this is what yeah. we believe and so I love how you talk on like having that you know if you have that foundation already and and you and your your spouse have have talked through those things and it's easier to address some of those things on the fly because you never know what kids are going to ask you literally never know (laughs) (laughs) yes you're always going to be on your toes you're not going to have a prepared response for everything that that they catch you off guard with and so yeah having anything kind of like already pre-dispositioned is going to keep you ahead (laughs) yeah so one thing um in in talk of family so 
you obviously have been doing some form of this for a while. So can you talk about a time where maybe it was challenging for you to balance like your own family and your own maybe like struggles with kids while trying to help someone else? Oh yeah. Yeah. And you know how they say like interior designers have like an unfinished home or, you know, like carpenters are like the contractors are doing all these things for clients, but then like their own house, like their spouse can't get them to finish a project. There, there's always been that fear of like, I don't ever want to feel like I am not talking the talk and walking the walk. Like I, if I'm going to recommend things for other families, I better be doing the same thing at home. And there is that like difference between what is feasible and what is consistent and what is um, things that we want to be able to implement at home. And so I do, I have really struggled with like that balance between um, feeling like my clients are better parents than me some days, like genuinely, (laughs) because they are, um, you know, they made this huge commitment. They are both on these calls together. And my husband and I haven't had that similar level of like structure because we're not paying someone else. We're not meeting with someone else. Mm -hmm. And so we're at a disadvantage just because of that, you know, where I'm telling him, hey, you should really like listen to my course content. (laughs) And I'm offended that you're not. And that's just a totally different dynamic than saying, hey, like we're really investing in like working with this other person that is kind of helping us walk things through and we're both bringing our questions. So all that to say, there has been things that I still continue to to work to get into our routine, uh, like eating uh, at the table for dinner. Mm-hmm. That is something that our family just kind of struggles with. And I'd love to do it more often. But uh, my husband's a chef. He, the more time he puts into dinner, the less my kids like it. <laughs> That's just like a, a weird phenomenon. And so for us, it's it's hard for him to uh, watch them like pick at things and, you know, have an attitude and want to get up from the table. And like his pet peeve is like, you know, weird mouth sounds and things. And so it just feels very stressful and it's easier for us to like eat at the bar, sometimes putting something on, on TV. And so that feels like, oh, I'm a parenting coach. Like I should be doing all the right things, but it all comes down to a parent's mental health and well-being makes everything else possible. And you do kind of have to give and take what balancing your needs with your kids' needs. And um, so it's like, that's a continual process for us, for sure. I'm never going to say I'm a perfect parent. <laughs> yeah, I love that you you mentioned like sometimes it, it's about the parents' mental health. Um, because yes. that's an approach I've recently started taking is like sometimes I can't put the kids to bed because they mm-hmm. always want me to do it, but like it is so draining on me mentally to do bedtime because everyone has their different needs and their different bedtime routine they want it's to exhausting. do yes. and so <laughs> there are some days where I'll be like you know hey Greg I need you to do bedtime because I can't and I'm gonna mm-hmm. lose it um mm-hmm. I'm 100% gonna lose my pool even though they're not doing anything wrong it's just you right. know a long day and you I just have a limited capacity yeah yeah yes. yeah yeah, I really advocate for that and and to help with like alleviate guilt surrounding that or like all of the shoulds and all the comparison. Mm-hmm. It's so hard to reconcile that and be able to say like, I need this as a parent. 
it's very hard to do because we we have to self-sacrifice like our kids come first yeah. but they they can't ultimately come first long term if we don't put ourselves up there as well um yeah. because it is really is a is an overflow like what we give ourselves we can give them um and i always see a shift when parents find more sanity they have they genuinely have a bigger capacity and more yeah. to give their kids and they become better parents when they can balance that out and so i always make a point to bring that up and and reassure parents you're doing the right thing by stepping back sometimes yeah i know one thing we started doing maybe a couple months ago was like one of us would like tap out like when we're like if we recognize the other person losing it we're like mm -hmm. like there'll be times where i'm losing my cool over something that does not matter and Greg's like we're gonna walk <laughs> away like i got it and same with him i'll see him yes. and start to get frustrated quickly and i'm like okay greg walk away like i'll handle it obviously i think it goes back to the point you said of you know knowing how we're going to handle a situation if they mm -hmm. don't want to get buckled in the car seat or they don't want to take a bath they're like we're on the yep. same page on what the outcome needs to be and how to kind yes. of get to it which is yes. helpful but it's also something we've recently started doing because again with three kids with very different personalities it's, mm -hmm. it's that juggling act of like well Emerson needs more control and coaxing in some instances versus you know Luca is very like well you know I don't want to do that just because Emerson's not doing it and then it's kind of <laughs> you know kind of dealing with it that way or he's mimicking her behavior just because she is you yep. know throwing a fit or whatever and so I think yep. um it's and once you get it figured out there'll be different people tomorrow oh yeah yeah <laughs> it couldn't be that easy of course not right um, <laughs> that was gonna that was gonna be one of my favorites that we struggle with is that like dinner or snack time it's like today it's this is my favorite food and then yes. for a week like it's like this is my favorite food and then all of a sudden we make it and it's like no i don't like this I'm like we've been eating it for a week this and like, no i don't like it i don't like it I'm like, okay makes you want to pull your hair out yes <laughs> Yes, the picky eater, that is that is hard because that is definitely a constant struggle in our household of what are we eating? And we always want to eat like, like today they had pretzels for breakfast because that's what they want. So wanted. did my kids. High five. <laughs> I was like, oh, you're going to eat at least have the pretzels, you know? Yep. But, yep. Yeah. You get the, like we got to get out of the house. So just eat something. Pick your rattles. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> uh, Courtney mentioned like doing like the tapping out thing when we know someone getting like one of us is getting stressed and I know for me something I've noticed is the times where I feel like I'm losing my cool a little quicker is normally it's like something that's been building up throughout the day of like stress from work or stress from yep. you know trying to get products ordered for a client or whatever it is and like then that's boiling over to where I, I have a shorter fuse with the kids um, mm -hmm. so I catch myself having realizing that personally um that's so a good point. i don't know mm -hmm. i don't know that's a normal thing but i know that's for me that's something i notice is the other thing depending on how my day has been going i can see it affect how much patience i have with the kids sometimes oh yeah oh yeah it's it's super correlated because we're not compartmentalized people where we just like turn on the parent mode you know completely unrelated from the rest of life like we're still a whole person and we're human and we have stress, the tons of external stress that we're dealing with on a daily basis. And there is a, a tool that's called completing the stress cycle. And it was something I learned from the book Burnout. 
And basically it's like when we are thrown into fight or flight response at all from like our caveman days, we were supposed to like run from the lion and then realize that like the lion is dead and everything is fine. And then like eat the lion for dinner or something. And basically like in our day and age, we constantly like experience stress. And then like, it's never really alleviated or processed. And then it's just more is piled on and more is piled on. And it's more of like a constant state that we live in because it's our whole work day or it's like all of parenting. And so without being able to have like opportunities for the pressure cooker to like vent off steam, then we are running at like a lesser capacity overall. And it's, you know, simple things like, you know, getting getting a reassuring hug for 20 seconds or, you know, doing something like jumping jacks for two minutes just to get your heart rate up or do something that is like, you know, walking around the house outside, something to basically just like let off steam just a little bit to process that external stress to give you back a little bit more capacity to take more on is basically something that we need to kind of like constantly regulate for ourselves. Um, but it's, it's hard to be aware of cause we're just go, go, go. Yeah. And I like the, how you mentioned like the jumping jacks or the, doing some kind of movement. Cause that's what I've heard people mm-hmm. say is if you change your state, it's easy to kind of change how you're feeling. Cause it's hard to be in, you know, um, states that are drastically different. You know, you can't be super yes. angry if you're doing something that's going to, you know, make you feel, you just can't have those things go together. So when you can change your state, you can kind of change really your whole, your whole mood that you're in at that point. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's what, like the biggest win is like a one minute dance party, like put on something fun and like have everybody go crazy for like a minute and then reset. And I promise you, you'll be in a different state. Like the whole, the whole feeling of the house is going to be like the tension has been taken down (laughs) 10 notches. If you just put music on and like dance it out, uh, it really makes a big difference. It's like a, you know, it hits, hits lots of wins in that one moment. Yeah. We like to do the, uh, what's it called? Uh, shake your wiggles out or something like that. They, yeah. They love that song or the freeze dance song. So that's been our. Oh yeah. There you go. Every <laughs> thing. <laughs> yes. We've done a lot of that. Yeah. So I want to know, like, as a mom who works from home and has a business, like, tell me how you have dealt with kind of separating mom and business. I know, like, you know, when kids are in school or when they're not there, you know, that's one thing. But like, mm-hmm. how do you, like, what do you do to turn it off or, or separate, you know, mom life and business life? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know that they ever feel completely separated unless I'm separated from my phone. because as much as I tell myself, I'm like done with work for the day, I'm still checking Instagram DMs. I'm still, you know, checking my, my email and all these things before I go to bed. And I feel like it's really hard because when I was switching to virtual coaching, that was at the same time that my kids were homeschooling with COVID and quarantine. And we were living in an apartment at the time and we had no yard, um, no playroom. We were all just in this like 10 by 10 living room hanging out together, like three different devices. And it was um, not ideal, not ideal. (laughs) So now like, you know, two years later, they, my kids are in elementary school. I do try to schedule the majority of my sessions while they're gone and, um, you know, do some things on Saturday mornings when they have screen time and try to balance things out as much as I can. But inevitably I'm gonna have something in the evening or there's just like computer stuff I have to get 
caught up on. And so there's a big part of it where I just really kind of narrate my life in a way that helps them see that I am more than just their mom in a positive way where I let them know what I did that day or what I have to do over the weekend to get done before Monday or what all has to kind of balance out. Like, hey, we're going to go to that birthday party Saturday morning, but then Saturday afternoon, you guys are going to have to play because I'm going to need to get some computer work done and not, you know, being kind of unapologetic about that. But then before I do that, where I need to get some work done or I'm going to do a bunch of cleaning, I usually will try to get in some quality time. Mm -hmm. of like, you know, 10 minutes with each kid of just like actually eye to eye and setting my phone aside because then I know that they feel like they got some time with me that day and I feel like I got some time with them that day and then we can both kind of move on and be a a lot more at peace about kind of doing our our independent thing. And Mm -hmm. that's usually um, something that I, you know, always will recommend across the board because so often we're in the same room with our kids but not actually like fully present with them, hearing yeah. them out and seeing and in their world or, or showing them that interest. And they would much rather have short bursts of quality time than long bursts of just like that parallel time that mm-hmm. leaves them feeling like there was still, they're still longing for more. And that's when they feel so clingy. And that's when we get really anxious and resentful because it's like, I have to get stuff done and you're just hanging on me. And, and you know, then that creates that vicious cycle again. So um, just being able to front load a little bit of time and then um, schedule out, you know, what I need to do. And even if it's, you know, at the kitchen table or, or in the living room, they're usually pretty good about understanding or just wanting to sit next to me then. Yeah, you just brought up two things that we've talked about and like we were really big on. And you, know, you mentioned, you know, the quality time thing, because I think especially, you know, for any parent, whether you work long hours, or you have a business and you have crazy hours, whatever it may be sometimes you maybe feel guilty about not getting enough time with your kids. Oh uh, yeah. But I know like a big thing is that w- we've always says when you're with them, if you're present and with them, that's so much more important um, that we think. Cause you know, you have, like you said, the times where you're all, you know, you come home every night from work and you're in the same house and together, but you're not communicating. You're all on your devices or watching TV. Mm-hmm. You're together, but you're not really together. So right. putting that, you know, whether it's 10 minutes or 30 minutes of undivided attention together, how much more connected they're going to feel than as opposed mm-hmm. to, well, we we're with our family a lot, but are you present with your family a mm-hmm. lot? And there's a difference. Um, oh, yeah. That was huge when you said that. And um, the big one that we struggle with is the screen time thing, because um, mm-hmm. we see a direct correlation of the more time we give them on, you know, watching TV or playing or you know, coloring on the tablet affects their behavior oh yeah so what is uh, I know you mentioned the screen time thing so do you limit that time and how do you structure that yeah I mean that that is a the struggle is real <laughs> every parent listening is like me too yeah. um it it totally depends on their age and you know what your goals are what feels right to you I feel like it's very individualized but I I recorded actually two episodes on this this summer on failing motherhood, where it was like the no guilt guide to screen time, because it's like, let's actually figure out what is the things to be concerned about? What do you need to take into account and what helps set you up for more success? Because it's an inevitable part of life. It's not like you're just gonna, you know, not have any, I think it genuinely is a tool to use wisely 
when you need it and make that pay off and maximize that and not feel bad when you are using it intentionally. And, you know, if, whether that's while you're cooking dinner, whether that's Saturday mornings or, you know, while you're getting ready for the morning, whatever that looks like, use it like a tool. I, I'm not saying it's a bad thing, but it, yeah, when you know that line with your kids, especially how they're wired, what that detox looks like afterwards, or if you have like a really long weekend, but, you know, they kind of binge and then you have to withdraw and, you know, you know what you're signing up for then if you, if you, you know, need to do that. But I think the, the biggest piece of it is understanding the, just the, the expectations and the, um, being able to be on the same page with them ahead of time, whether that is letting them know, you know, how, uh, how much they're going to watch today, or if it's a watching day, if it's a not watching day, or what's going to happen, you know, when they're done, if they get to finish the episode, or if they wait till the timer goes off, or being able to walk them through more of like a softer turn off, because mm-hmm. they get into kind of like a trance. And especially if they're hangry or tired at all, then it feels very abrupt. And then it's like their brain kind of like can't readjust when it's off because they've just been like getting fed the stimulation. And so you almost need to break it up a little bit about like, okay, sitting next to them, asking them a question about the show, asking another question about the show, and then offering a choice of like, all right, it's time, you know, are you going to shut it off or am I going to shut it off? Or, um, you know, should we wait one more minute or should we shut it off now? Something that's just kind of like letting them get ready for that, you know, inevitable transition is going to be helpful for what their behavior looks like afterwards. Um, but for us, we're really clear about um, when they can use their tablet and what days it's, it, they get to choose the show versus we get to choose the show after dinner and what screen time they can kind of count on and look forward to. That's almost like a non-negotiable. Like Saturday mornings, they get to play Roblox and Minecraft and all their fun stuff. But then they don't get that the rest of the week. And that's a non-negotiable. They don't, you know, if they ask, it's no, they know that they don't ask, but it's on their calendar. Like Saturdays is their like Kindle tablet time. And then usually on like Wednesdays after they shower, they'll get to watch some YouTube kids, but that's the only time during the week they get to watch that. And it's just been alleviating so much of the badgering and negotiation and whining when we can just put it down of like, this is when it's a yes. I know it's important to you so you can count on it and look forward to it this day no matter what and that has just like helped us all feel like screen time is not this you know uh rock in our shoe that like everybody's frustrated with and instead it's something that we can um be on the same page about and and that's just helpful overall i feel like so many parents who are listening to this are going to be like man we battle this every single day we're gonna have to try that because i just feel like I know we've went through it and we try to limit and um, monitor the screen time because we saw that pretty quickly early on that the the correlation between just kind of letting them binge and then how they acted the rest of that day or even the coming mm-hmm. days after was just um, not how we wanted it to be. <laughs> so. Yeah. <laughs> and when you're in survival mode, it's fine. But then when you're yeah. like, okay, we need to nip this in the bud and you have yeah. the energy to do it, then absolutely. <laughs> yeah, and there have definitely been days where I'm like, Greg, I had to survive. And so, yeah, yeah they watched an hour of TV when I wasn't going to let them. But I like that you said that because it's 100% true. Like, sometimes you have to just get through the day or mm-hmm. you have to just get through. And if that's the case, that's okay. It's okay. Um, it is okay. Yes. Something you mentioned, and it's something that we started doing, I think, when Emerson was around one and a half. 
um, is kind of like setting the expectations, but like and timers and things. So I know that has been like insanely helpful for us, like especially in public when we go places. Mm. Um, is okay. You guys have ten more minutes on the playground, and then after ten minutes, we have to get in the car and go home. And then it's mm-hmm. okay, we have eight minutes, we have five minutes, we have three, like super clear, like very, and like making sure they acknowledge and hear that. Um, mm-hmm. And that they know the expectation of, okay, like when we get there, we have to do this. Or you know, when we get in the car, we have to buckle so we can go home and eat lunch. Um, and giving them that like very detailed play-by-play of what to expect. I mean, we noticed a decrease in Emerson's tantrums almost immediately because mm-hmm. she didn't have this like unsureness of what to expect. Um, and I really love that you said you guys use like a calendar so they know like what days they get to do certain things. Mm-hmm. Obviously, Emerson's about to turn four, so she doesn't fully understand the calendar yet, but I'm totally mm-hmm. gonna start doing that because I can say like, oh, well on this day we do this. So yeah, you can do it, but it's not that day. Um, right. Cause it gives them that thing to look forward to, which is something I never even thought of like, oh yeah, just pick the different days to do it instead of, well, we can't fit it in today or we can't do this because then it's that yes. negative connotation for them. Yes, because they, they just want to know what the answer is mo- most of the time. Like, uh, I'd love for it to be a yes, but like, I can't figure out the formula of when it's a yes and when it's a no. And so I'm taking it upon myself to continue asking or continue escalating because sometimes yeah. that makes the difference and it works and I get it. And so it's just confusing. The more that we can make it clear what the firm expectation is good or bad then they're like okay thank you i just wanted to know (laughs) and and that's where like a week calendar just a monday through sunday you know what day is today kind of like simple visual calendar um i recommend to every family i work with and there's a gal her company is called mighty and bright and she makes these like dry erase magnetic little like reversible cling calendars that are brilliant <laughs> they are a, such a game changer um so go check those out if that's something that you're looking to start implementing yeah i love that i'm definitely gonna check that out because like i said emerson loves checklists we used to do like you know a daily like chore checklist because they love mm-hmm. to feel like they're accomplishing things and oh yeah and um i had to move it because it, it didn't make sense in our kitchen and i haven't found a new place for it but um i love I love that concept and that idea. Um, Mm -hmm. So one thing I want you to talk on is, you know, obviously we're really big on embracing failures. Um, It's really important to us that we both explain to our kids that failure is not a bad thing. Like we're Mm -hmm. all going to fail at things. We're not going to be good at everything. So Mm -hmm. tell us about a failure you had maybe in business or you felt like it was a failure in parenting. Obviously your podcast is called, you know, um, failing in, in motherhood yes. and stuff and so like, <laughs> tell us about a time where you felt like you had a failure but like how you realized it wasn't really a failure mm, yes that is like one of the tenets of positive discipline is that mistakes are opportunities to learn is like their official phrasing and yeah. I feel like that growth mindset piece is huge for success overall to be able to model for our kids and to create that like sense of safety within our home that we, you know, see our each other as like, you know, yeah, it takes time, you have to practice it, you know, you can't do that yet. That type of language um, is something that's been a huge focus for our family, for sure. Um, and 
like one, one of the things that we went through as a family is um, when my girls were two and three, my husband was really struggling with alcoholism. And uh, it ended up that after a while, um, I ended up kind of having to move out and lease an apartment for the health and safety of me and my girls and really encourage him to go get um, support. And he ended up enrolling in like an inpatient rehab facility and um, has been thankfully sober ever since for like the last five years. And he moved back in with us and that's when we were in an apartment for a while. Um, but it was a really big deal, obviously for financial reasons, um, stress on our marriage and his health and his well-being. He ended up um, quitting his corporate job for a job that like pays half and no, no insurance or benefits. And, uh, and it was like a really big deal where I felt like, you know, who knows what could happen. There was no guarantees and there is no like perfect formula or handbook for these types of circumstances in life. And I really struggled with knowing like, what is, what is loving to him? What, what is like, you know, what is my role to my, like, am I more loyal to my kids or to my husband? You know, like, how do I figure this out and navigate it? And I really felt like a single parent for a while as well. And we don't have any family around and um, it like insurance ended up not covering the rehab. It was just a whole thing. <laughs> and so there's a lot of reasons why you could, you know, label that a fail, but it's obviously been a huge um, process of growth for both of us personally and individually. And for the strength of our marriage, we ended up going to marriage counseling and have grown a lot since in kind of rebuilding our relationship. Mm -hmm. And I hope that that is um, something that we can show our kids because we started dating when I, we, I was 15 and he was 17. We're high school sweethearts. We've been together yeah. for like 20 years now. And um, that doesn't mean that you love anyone any less. It's just like you have to continue to work at this commitment that you made. And um, and it's a process. And, and I think marriage and um, parenting and entrepreneurship are all these like huge opportunities for growth that you didn't know were even possible <laughs> or that you were signing up for in the first place. Um, they blindside you a little bit, otherwise you never would sign up. But uh, it's all like you always see the gems on the other side. Like there's always things that you can gather from hindsight. There's always so much more to learn about yourself that um, is empowering and, and equips you for the road ahead. Um, so I don't know if that answers your question, but I feel like that has been just something that ha has informed me to be able to best um, help other clients through their navigating their relationship with each other as well, um, because I've been there. We had the really, really, really bad days and um, the days that we didn't know we'd come back from. And, you know, here we are today even stronger. So that's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's that, I feel like it's going to inspire a lot of people because, you know, I think especially when you're a new couple, um, you know, at, at first, everything's kind of like that honeymoon phase. Everything's really good. Um, and then you kind of settle into life and then you start a family and um, all these different challenges start arising. And I think sometimes people feel like, is it just us going through this? Mm -hmm. um, but the, the real fact is, is, is everyone struggles with different things. Um, and it's just more about, you know, like you said, like that growth mindset, being willing to work through it, learn from it, see how you can grow from it and how it's going to strengthen yourself and your relationship and your family, uh, and just mm -hmm. trying to change your outlook on how you uh, attack some of those challenges that you go against. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. So I want to ask you one more question. Um, <laughs> super open-ended. Like, so whenever someone, um, like another mom comes to you and they're like, I'm struggling with, you know, balancing everything. Um, what's your biggest piece of advice or the biggest thing that's helped you in balancing everything in life? Yeah. Yeah. I feel like it's really the mentality that of like your sanity over everything of just knowing even what to prioritize. There's a pyramid um, in positive behavior support that I learned in classrooms where it basically talks about like that you have the teacher and then the teacher's relationship with the student and then the social emotional supports in the environment and then the specific intervention for that child. And what that looks like at home is a parent's well-being and their mental health and then the parent-child relationship and being able to understand each other and feel connected and then your environment working for you and having a lot more supportive social emotional components for emotions and for just your scripts of what to say and how to handle things and then you have like the tippy top where it's like if you have that pyramid supporting you then you can figure out exactly what to do whether it's a sticker chart whether it's you know whatever that looks like and it will work and it will last long term because you have this pyramid supporting it as opposed to flipping that pyramid upside down usually we start with the sticker chart and then surprises like it's not working and not solving all the problems and meanwhile you know our relationships are deteriorating and i can't make it another day without losing my mind and we have to start from the bottom of that pyramid and work our way up and so i think just being able to understand how critical it is for you as a parent to be able to do the parenting like you're the one you there is no parenting without you Mm -hmm. And you have to be able to understand what you need in a way that keeps things sustainable. And that is going to not look as like you thought it would, like that you, you know, don't sit on the floor for four and a half hours every day and play Barbies, or, you know, you're not cooking every meal from scratch for seven hours. Like you can't do it all. You can't. So yeah. like, what do you need so that you can have your sanity and then be able to build from there. And there I always focus on like, okay, now you need to work on your parent-child relationship, spending those little bits of quality time together, knowing that you kind of understand how they tick and you know how to work with their personality rather than like trying to parent their personality out of them. Mm -hmm. You just need new tools and you know, you can figure that out. And then, you know, figuring out, okay, what in my environment, like a calendar is gonna help support what I'm doing and make it easier rather than harder and, you know, have less bins that can be dumped out in the toy room or just like simple things, you know, like that and problem solve that. And then you'll have that sticker chart work. And so um, I always want to remember parents, like your sanity matters most. And when your mental, like your kid's mental health is correlated with your mental health, you have to be able to prioritize to be able to be who they need you to be in the moments they need you most when they have to rely on you to co-regulate or they have to rely on you to, you know, be fed for the day and all those minor details. <laughs> um, your sanity matters most. And um, and so I think everything can kind of flow from that place of understanding. Um, yeah, maybe that looks like I need to tag out. Maybe that looks like I need to wake up earlier tomorrow to get the un uninterrupted time I need. Maybe it means that, you know, I need to schedule time with a friend because I haven't for a while. Um, it's hard to to be able to ask those questions even of ourselves and realize even what the problem is 
because we just know there's a problem, but you know, it just feels too much like a whirlwind to know even where to start. Um, so that can kind of help at least with that framework of problem solving from the bottom up. I love that. That is seriously, like, I don't feel like many people talk about that and, and, mm -hmm. and mention it that way. So I love that you have spent so much time today saying like, you as a parent need to come first. Cause I feel, mm -hmm. especially as a mom, like the immense amount of mom guilt that comes from walking away from something or not doing bedtime or knowing that like, you know, they're like, I don't, I don't want daddy today. I want mommy today. And then you're mm -hmm. like, I need the break and you need yes. the daddy too. So yes. um, it's hard, but it is so important because like yes. said, our mental health is like our kids' mental health is dependent on us. And mm -hmm. if we're not taking care of ourselves, how can we expect them to understand how to take care of themselves Totally, model it for them? So I cannot tell you how much I enjoyed our conversation today. And I so Yay. appreciate like the time you took to talk through some of these things. So if you can just tell everyone like where they can find you and again, like what it is you offer. Yeah, absolutely. No, it was such a joy. I love, this is like my favorite thing to do. <laughs> I could talk about this all day. Um, so my, my podcast, wherever you're listening to this, it, you can search it's failing motherhood. And we're all about bringing on experts that resonate with that feeling of that fear of screwing up their kids and, you know, not doing everything right or perfect and reminding every listener that you are the parent your kids need. And so go find that if that is um, something you need to be reminded of. And then I'm most active on Instagram. I am at parent underscore wholeheartedly and come, come say hi and say you listen to this episode. That would be so fun to hear. Um, and my website is parenting wholeheartedly.com. I have um, several free resources like a calm big emotions guide um, for your kids meltdowns. I have a guide to more patience um, for you and um, in a free masterclass as well that you can just kind of watch on demand. Um, so go check those things out. And I, again, there's two ways to work with me one-on-one -on -one for four months or a VIP group coaching program that is 11 weeks um, back to back. And so those include workbooks and portals and trainings and things. Um, but they're all about having more patience and figuring out these positive, positive discipline strategies and how to use them with my strong-willed kids. And that will work for then everybody when I have more sanity. Um, and so just really supporting you along that process to tweak and troubleshoot and problem solve whatever the pain points are that you're experiencing so that you really feel confident that you have the tools to be able to navigate whatever your kids throw your way. <laughs> Perfect. I love it. All right, guys, thank you so much for joining us. I hope you got as much out of today as we did. This might have been more for us than anyone else because I know we're going to take a lot of these little nuggets that we heard and implement those. Um, hope you enjoyed it. Please share it if you did. Go check out her page, message, message on Instagram, reach out to her, and um, we'll talk to you next time. Until then, keep booming in the business. <laughs>